0: Welcome to the Enlightened Practice Podcast, brought to you by the Luminello Electronic Medical Record folks. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Braslow and Dr. Carrie Kagan.
1: Hey, Carrie. Hi, Ken. So, today we're going to be talking about uh, pros and cons of being an in-network clinician for your clientele and uh, curious to hear your thoughts. What what your experiences of uh being out of network, do you have clients who push you to be in network or do they even, does it even come up as you get going? What's it like?
0: Well, in the Bay Area where I'm located, I think it's very common for therapists to be out of network. Um, so f- uh, I don't think it comes to a surprise to many clients to hear <laughs> that a therapist is out of network. I do think in other parts of the country, it, it's different I imagine. Um, so here I don't think it comes as a surprise to clients um, and especially for certain and ins- types of insurance so like PPO plans for example clients can get reimbursed for out-of-network services and that I think allows it, it kind of um, satisfies both the client and the therapist needs. Um, I don't have to deal with the downsides of insurance on my end and the client also gets reimbursed as it, you know, it's not quite as, um, uh, the, the, it's not as simple as if I was an in-network provider for them. There's a couple other steps they have to do to get reimbursed, but they end up, um, getting covered through insurance one way or another. So I think that it it uh, is a nice middle or mm-hmm. for both mm-hmm. me and the client.
1: You know, I think patients are used to their uh, primary care team taking insurance, but they don't realize how many resources are in that physician's office that just go to the whole process of insurance. And that therapists and many psychiatrists, once you're part of a big group, you're not typically set up to process all that administrative work. I mean, that could become a a third of your hours or a half of your hours, and it's just not feasible to sustain a private practice at that rate. How do you find your clients do with the process of getting reimbursement? Is it something that, is that hard for them or is it routine?
0: It becomes routine. I think the first time is a bit more challenging, And I do have some tips for helping clients um, certain questions that they can ask their insurance that will streamline the process for them. If they just simply have a code number that they can give their insurance to Mm -hmm. get information about whether or not their insurance reimburses out of network, for example. Um, And so I think the first time clients go through it, it can be a little bit tricky because I need to figure out what forms to fill out and all of that kind of stuff. But once you do it once, it becomes pretty routine. Um, the other thing, too, is that there are apps these days that help get mm. um, help clients get reimbursed out of network. Um, I don't know if I should say the name of one of these apps I know, but um, there are ways that make it for either it's free or a very low, low, low cost that you can basically upload your statement through this app and they will do it for the client. Um, So there are ways of making it even easier, but usually it becomes routine. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. One of the things I tell patients is they ask like a hundred questions on the form, but like for 98 of them, you can put C attached and with the super bill that uh, the, my patients can generate in the portal or um, that I generate for them. It has all the codes all the ID numbers and I encourage them to at the beginning of the year set up a couple of envelopes for the whole year and every few months just and photocopy the cover sheet um, and you don't need my signature even though it says yeah. Yeah. you need my signature <laughs> you don't I've never yeah. had a, a claim not processed without it um, yeah. or, and um, so to kind of help them see that this is annoying, but costs them a few minutes and right. is not worth uh, leaving their reimbursement on the table just because it's yeah. a process. Not that they have yeah. to do it every week, though. That's, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so, what's your sense of by being out of network? Do you get insurance companies who are reimbursing your clients? Um, requesting records or saying you're taking too long, or do they stay out?
0: In my experience, they stay out. Um, there are no limits that I've encountered that I can think of off the top of my head right now. To um, you know, they they don't put any limits in terms of number of sessions you can meet with a client if they're out of network or anything like that. That's not to say that doesn't exist, but it hasn't been in my experience. Um, so that's part of like the advantage of being out of network is not having to deal (laughs) with, um, just not having to deal directly with the insurance companies. Like you said, it is a, it can be a hassle and time consuming on our end. Um, and yeah, and it, and it doesn't seem to be that they need to really be involved with your out of network Is your, what's your experience been there?
1: Yeah, I've for the folks I see out of network, I've never had an insurance company question the treatment at all. When I've been in network, I have had them uh, when I was doing therapy and, and meds in network that seemed to take them by great surprise. And they asked me to do treatment reviews with them. And, Sadly, um, even though I think the concept of treatment planning is very good and should be incorporated within the therapy, I don't think it is, uh, it's not in the patient's interest for me to be doing that with the insurance company. Um, so I, I didn't like that intrusion in the patient's care. I don't think the insurance company really cares about the patient's well-being. I think they're the, the meta-message the whole time was finish up. And, you know, they weren't going to deny care. They were just going to do treatment reviews frequently enough that you'd get tired of it. Right. So plausible deniability kind of thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so um, I would say... In network, I, so I do see patients in network, and submitting claims uh, is much easier than it used to be because it's just a few clicks. And seeing uh, patients for meds, I've never had them question my uh, my med plan. Uh, but yeah, again with therapy, unfortunately, that led me to not want to do therapy. Uh, with, with the payers that I contracted with. And that's just um, kind of how it goes. Um, I would say 98% of the time taking insurance, it's fine. I mean, insurance company checks don't bounce. Uh, they pay. Uh, they have laws uh, in most states about how long they have to take to pay, unlike patients who sometimes <laughs> can take many, many uh, months to pay and their checks do occasionally bounce. Um, Insurance companies are pretty above board with all of that, Mm -hmm. but it's the 2% of the time where a claim is denied because uh, the patient has a new um, ID number, but they didn't realize, or they didn't tell me, now I got to go resubmit it all over again or there's some limitation treatment-wise. And it's really important that you, before you take on, if you are going to be in network, that in your policies, you have a provision for what to do when insurance won't pay. Um, What I tell my patients in the policies is, um, I am taking insurance as a courtesy. They are third party, but uh, if, if whether or not they pay, uh, this is a my professional time and services are still being rendered, and so payment is expected. Whether or not the insurance company makes that payment, right. often um, it's really useful to run a patient's insurance coverage, even if the patient knows their insurance coverage, for the clinician to run it because. The concept of the deductible has changed over the years. It used to be a deductible was $100 or something. Uh, And and now they're in the thousands often. And so patients may think, whether they're in or out of network, they may think they have great coverage. And maybe they do once they've hit their deductible. But they don't always understand what that deductible even means. And that uh, even if they're getting credit for paying for the sessions, they need to know an estimate beforehand of how much a session will cost them. And so for my in-network patients, I sh- I spell out for them how much an intake session would cost them, um, or how much my negotiated rate with the insurance company is. So that way they know what their out-of-pocket costs will be. Same thing goes for no-shows. Um, right. That I don't even bother submitting insurance claims uh, for no-shows. I've, they just won't pay them. And yeah. um, this is really important for um, college students and um, teenagers to understand mm-hmm. that um, their parents most likely are going to get stuck with a bill. Um, in the college student mind, um, anything is um, changeable at the last minute. It's part of the joy of being in college. And yeah. um, they, even though I have college students, sign off on policies i don't know to what degree they really get it and so whether it's in network or out of network i make a special point of explaining to them the concept of the no-show and that they're not they're not uh paying for the session they're paying for the the reservation of the session and the session they go together Uh,
0: yeah so
1: yeah Uh, i would also say with um in network um, i often have patients call the insurance company uh, just to make sure their coverage is still active even if i've run it i just Mm -hmm. want every i want to reduce the odds that Mm -hmm. a claim is submitted and rejected right away there's no better way to um interfere with treatment than to have a payment issue with the insurance company come up. And then it puts a clinician in a real bind if you're just starting care, but insurance isn't paying. You want to continue what's in the best interest of the patient. Right. But it, it's really challenging then to navigate those.
0: Yeah. 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 Conflict yeah of interest. I'm also curious with in your experience, especially early on, since you've been both in network and out of network, did you find that you had a more like steady flow of referrals from and in, in being in network that you would have a more consistent flow from there as opposed to out of network?
1: So when I started in private practice, the day I hit the insurance company's website, my listing went live, the phone started ringing off the hook. Wow. It was uh, quite powerful um, to the point where I quickly became overwhelmed. I didn't have an assistant at the time, and yeah. I didn't have uh, many systems in place to handle that at the time. So for sure, it was good in building uh, practice. And that's part of what insurance companies, that's part of the deal they're making with you is um, they're doing the marketing essentially for you. Uh, They're bringing a whole network to you and that, that is value. And so that is reflected in their rates somewhat. I will also say one other advantage I found with having such high volume to begin with was that I met a lot of patients, therapists, that way because uh, I wanted to, of course, have good um, treatment planning and I would talk to them and we'd get on the same wavelength and then they would start referring me patients uh, because we had a relationship and some of those patients were in network, of course, because they were in network, but some were not in network. And so having a blend of in network and out of network was a nice way to start. It allowed me to build my practice and- I really enjoyed taking insurance and having people only have to pay $10 for a session. Like, that felt nice. And uh, 98% of the time, it was actually a good fit, especially for meds, where it gets tricky, at least for psychiatrists, is the um, therapy portion. I don't think insurance companies want psychiatrists doing long-term or even short-term therapy. And, um, so that, that's something to keep in mind, but there are some, some real benefits to it. The process of working with them has become much more automated and electronic over the years. And so at the beginning I was printing out claims and stamping envelopes and that was, um, unfortunate. And now that's, that's a non-issue now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, that, that said, I enjoy, um, and knowing that if somebody's seeing me out of network that it's highly unlikely that the insurance is going to want to see their records i cringe when i'm in network and insurance companies ask to see the records um one i just i never know who's going to see that information and what they're going to do with it and where it's going to be stored for eternity and uh either they're not doing it The patient's best interest. I think that's the part that makes me uh, cringe the most about that arrangement. I can understand that I get that they have the right to request it. I just don't like to put patients in that position. That makes sense. So, yeah. And if you think about kids, uh, they have no control over this process as it is, and they're not able to give their consent in any meaningful way. And so, you know, what if they're you know, as a seven year old, their records are with the insurance company for, for life. It just right. doesn't yeah. feel right. Right. So that's some of the the pros and cons of working in network. They do build your practice. And I would say, if yeah. you're going to consider doing in network, give it time before there is no such thing as a quick negotiation with an insurance company unless you are just gonna um, just sign on the dotted line. I mean, guaranteed right. you, you'll send in your paperwork and then they'll misplace it or they'll need something you already sent them. And maybe they only review it once a month because they get 10,000 applicants and they're trying to be more efficient. So it can take months just to get credentialed. And then the insurance uh, contract negotiations begin. Of course, they'll always offer you um, lower rates to start and if you're in a rush you might be more likely to take them and right. if you're if you have the luxury of time you can push back and negotiate and even walk away uh, there were some negotiations that i had that went on with insurance companies for quite some time and then i said this is just not um feasible i can't sustain uh, a private practice with the rates they're looking to reimburse uh, and or with what they're expecting of me, I, my personal style, I really like to work closely with patients and families and I cannot do a 10 minute med check. It's just not in my makeup, but there are some people who can do that and then insurance can be a really good fit. And yeah. then, of course we talked about the therapy challenges. So,
0: right. well, so allow helpful. time.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, any other thoughts
0: about uh
1: in-versus-out-of-network um, dilemma that comes to mind?
0: No, it was at, it was actually really informative for me as an out-of-network provider to learn more about the in-network process. And it definitely seems to have a lot of um, advantages, especially from a building your practice perspective. Um, oh, I guess just one other really quick question is, um, is it relatively easy to transition once you start as an in-network Therapist, and if you're considering transitioning to out of network or at least partially out of network, is that a pretty straightforward It's a great question.
1: So, you have to give the insurance company and your clientele at least three months' notice typically. And so, if you're thinking about it, I would really think it through clearly, but then get it going because uh, that three month Mm -hmm. clock um, is a bit of a long window. I would say I did transition out of, um, one or two payers. And I would tell patients and some of them said, um, well, okay, sorry, I won't be seeing you anymore. And I totally understood that. And I would try and give them referrals of, of colleagues I knew in network. Mm-hmm. And some would say, uh, okay, I get it. You know, alluding to what you were saying earlier about, uh, at least in certain locations, I'm, be expecting most clinicians to be out of network and they, they stuck with me um, once I transitioned to out of network. And uh, that was nice uh, that we could have that relationship too. So it's, it's not like everybody is going to come along um, out of network, but it's not that nobody will. And right. Yeah. And then you can always go back in network. I've done that um, (laughs) with one insurance company also. So. uh,
0: so many options. Yes, that's the good news.
1: That's the good news. There's lots of insurance companies, lots of payers. You don't have to sign on with every single payer. And so I would say, if you are thinking about going that route, find out if you can, by talking with colleagues, which payers have the biggest market share in your geographic area. Uh, For example, um, in the Bay Area, it's the Blues, Blue Shield and Blue Cross that tend to have the most market penetration. And so if you're looking to build a practice, those would be the ones to go with because mm-hmm. you're going to hit the widest audience on the flip side, because of that they pay less than the other insurance companies. Right, uh, right. So you have to uh, prioritize, pick your, yeah. uh, what's the higher value for you.
0: That's really good advice.
1: Yeah. All right, Carrie. Well, it's nice chatting. Looking forward to seeing you yeah. soon and continuing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, conversation all right take care bye-bye you
0: too bye if you liked today's podcast and want to hear more follow us on apple podcasts google podcasts or spotify and if you have a
1: question you'd like to be discussed on a future podcast send it to enlightenedpractice at
0: luminello.com we'd love to hear from you until next time